Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Hey, thanks for joining us again this week on the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'll be your host today. We're going to be reviewing a paper from the January 2019 edition of Journal of Clinical Orthopedics and Trauma, and the title of the study is Rehabilitation Following Regenerative Medicine Treatment for Knee Osteoarthritis, Current Concept Review. Now, before I get into any of it, people usually have one or two different reactions to the term regenerative medicine. Number one, they say, oh yeah, I've heard about that. Uh, It involves something like uh, PRP, stem cells, things like that. Great, cool. Or they say anything regenerative medicine or stem cells is a bunch of hokey and it's just been used to try to milk people for money. And unfortunately, uh, both of those aspects are true. We have seen some uh, ill-intentioned practitioners out there who do use the term stem cell treatment or regenerative treatment as a money grab kind of approach. But there are also some very, very legitimate purposes and uses for stem cell and regenerative therapies out there if, if they're done correctly. So now I'm not going to try and spend any time convincing you one way or the other. If you do regenerative therapies or if you've worked with uh, patients who have had regenerative therapy done, this particular uh, study is mostly about the rehab plan that should go along with that. So... I'll talk you through exactly what they are. the researchers are referring to. Um, so first off, just a quote from the study to get us going. They say, Regenerative medicine promotes regeneration and joint restoration by using blood-based procedures such as platelet-rich plasma, stem cell, and cell-based or tissue engineering. They do go to say regenerative medicine procedures are variable and lack of standardization in product preparation, administration, and different treatment protocols. This leads to a big, uh, a a lot of differences between treatment protocols and results, and it makes it much more difficult to really get predictable results out of it. Now, I'm just going to assume that if you do regenerative medicine in your clinic, you've got that nailed down. Not really worried about going into that. What I will talk to you about is what these researchers have concluded will be beneficial for a rehabilitation plan following a regenerative medicine treatment. So they present a four-phase plan. And what I'll do is I'll give you their phases. Then I'm going to go back into the study and talk to you about the different components that they say should be included. And then we'll kind of finish out by talking about the conclusions and making sure that you have some good information on which to build your plan. So phase one, they say, will focus on reducing pain and inflammation as well as early loading isometric exercises before attempting anything isotonic. Phase two can begin once pain and inflammation have diminished. Phase three can begin once the individual has achieved full range of motion, at least four out of five on manual muscle test strength, and minimal pain. Phase four is started once the individual actually attains non-painful range of motion. So, keeping that in mind, we're going to talk about several different modalities and exercise protocols here that are components of these different phases. So, number one, they go into 
exercise strengthening and weight management. They say an exercise program that combines endurance work and strength in arthritic patients has been shown to increase functional capacity and reduce pain. So you want to start in with some exercises for that first phase especially that are isometric. So not taking the joint even through ranges of motion, just engaging the muscles that are involved with that particular joint. Of course, if we're talking about the knee in particular, then we're talking about muscles of the thigh and leg. They do go on to talk about stability, proprioception, and neuromuscular training, so neuromuscular re-education, as well as balance. They say that uh, patients with knee instability and strong muscles should have initial stabilization training, and then as their strength improves, you can continue to add in further loading. They do say that the physiologic mechanical stimulation of the articular cartilage generates biochemical signals which increase the anabolic activity of chondrocytes. Chondrocytes, of course, being the cells that build cartilage. Anabolic activity meaning building, uh, promoting the regenerative effect. So if, you're, if you've done a regenerative treatment, you want that regenerative effect, especially for chondrocytes. Anytime we're talking about arthritis of the joint, we want to have that regenerative effect going on with the chondrocytes in particular. So that's exercise, strengthening, and weight management. Number one. Number two is the stability, proprioception, and neuromuscular training. Number three is manual therapy. Now, manual therapy involves skilled hands-on techniques that are both diagnostic and interventional to treat the soft tissues and joint dysfunction, increase range of motion, modulate pain, decrease the inflammation, alter muscle tone, and increase circulation. That's a lot of expectations for manual therapy, but if you're a manual therapy practitioner, well, you know exactly that is what you are going for with manual therapies in the first place. They say the manual therapy in the treatment of knee osteoarthritis shows significant improvements with respects to pain, stiffness, and functional ability. So number four is blood flow restriction therapy. They say blood flow restriction therapy is a, uh, I'm sorry, blood flow restriction training is a rapidly growing intervention for patients suffering from muscle atrophy, weakness, neuromuscular control deficits, pain, and traumatic injuries, where sufficient loads required for muscle strengthening and hypertrophy cannot be tolerated. So you apply a tourniquet to the extremity and just partially restrict blood flow as a patient undergoes immobilization or exercise, and it does show uh, some good increases for muscle hypertrophy, increases in strength, uh, uh, serum growth hormone, uh, muscle endurance. There's a lot of things that can really be beneficial there, especially if the patient is not able to really tolerate full-on exercise due to pain. So that's number four, blood flow restriction. Number five is vibration therapy, and specifically whole body vibration training, where you place a patient on a vibrating platform, and then you have them go through certain motions and exercises to help retrain the control and proprioceptive function of the especially lower extremities. Okay, the sixth one they go over is electromodalities. And in this little section, they bring up therapeutic ultrasound, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, or TENS, and then interferential current, as well as low-level laser therapy. So they walk through all these, and then at this section, they, they conclude that there's insufficient evidence to suggest that the inclusion of ultrasound, TENS, or interferential being beneficial or detrimental in the treatment of knee osteoarthritis. However, 
the inclusion of laser therapy in combination with a regenerative rehabilitation protocol could induce photochemical physiological actions at the cellular level to improve circulation and the renewing effects of regenerative medicine in relation to osteoarthritis of the knee. So out of everything you can do in, in a modality sense, electromodalities, ultrasound, ther um, therapeutic ultrasound, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, TENS, interferential current, none of that really has any, I'm sorry, any evidence that it's really all that helpful, but laser therapy does and absolutely should be included. That's, that was number six. Number seven is acupuncture and dry needling. They say that evidence does suggest that acupuncture and dry needling would be a benefit as an adjunct therapy in a regenerative medicine rehab protocol with respects to knee osteoarthritis and, um, and, and that it should be able to positively alter sensory, motor, and autonomic functions in patients with knee osteoarthritis. Number eight is taping and bracing. And that is where the, you're going to be using kinesio tape or an offloading knee brace to assist in supporting the joint. It says it may be a beneficial adjunct to those who have already undergone the treatment, especially in the acute phase uh, to decrease pain and improve range of motion. Where we really see this being effective is in the offloading braces with unilateral compartment osteoarthritis of the knee specifically, where you can use the brace to reduce the strain and the load on the most arthritic part of the joint. And that does greatly improve your outcomes. Uh, there's a number of studies out there on that. I won't get into those today other than to say that in our own experience here, we've seen very good results in using offloading braces for the unilateral compartment osteoarthritis of the knee. Okay, so those are the different components that they recommend including in a rehab protocol for regenerative medicine procedures. Number one was exercise, strengthening, weight management. Number two is stability, proprioceptive training, and neuromuscular re-education. Number three is manual therapy. Number four is blood flow restriction therapy for patients who have a difficult time really engaging in full activities. Whole body vibration plate therapy. Electromodalities, really only laser made the cut on that one. Acupuncture and dry needling can be used, and so can taping and bracing in the right circumstances. So, we talked earlier about it being broken into phases, right? Phase 1 reduces pain and inflammation. Phase 2 can start to engage the muscles with neuromuscular control, static stability, uh, once you have pain and inflammation that have diminished. Phase 3 can begin once the individual has actually achieved full range of motion and better strength minimal pain. And phase four, you can start once the patient is in non-painful range of motion status. Now, the most critical really would be, it'd be nice to say, well, one of these phases is more critical than the other, but really, if we're talking about long-term results, you need to be good at all of them. You can help the patient most, though, in phase one and two. Phase three and four, as long as you educate them correctly, they can do a lot of that pretty well on their own. But start them out well with therapies that will help you reduce the pain and inf inflammation so that you can get them on into phase two where you start them into more significant exercise. So isometric exercises early on. They say phase one should begin immediately after the procedure. It can last a week or more depending on the level of pain and inflammation. It is best to start initiating loading as soon as pain permits. 
sometime in that, within that um, first week or so. You don't want to just make the patient be bedridden. That's what we're saying here. We do want some level of activity. And this is where bracing can really come into play in terms of helping the patient maintain their mobility without adding more irritation into the joint. Also, isometric exercises are a good option to get the patient doing something at home. They can do that in a method where they're not even having to worry about load-bearing or open-chain or closed-chain exercises. We're just going ahead and getting them to start working those muscles. It can be very useful, even for the neuromuscular control level, to start activating those muscles a couple of times a day very intentionally. Now, this is the only place that I'll tell you something the study says, and then I'll tell you why, they, why I disagree with it. I already read you this section about electromodalities, and where they specifically said, ultrasound, TENS, interferential, really no evidence that they're helpful. Laser therapy is definitely helpful. Now, let me read you what they came back and said in their conclusion after saying that laser was the only thing that really helped. In the conclusion, they say, Despite only being level 4 and 5 studies, low-intensity pulsed ultrasound and neuromuscular electrical stimulation are still used in the clinical setting in an attempt to manage inflammation and promote tissue healing. What the hell? They, they just got done saying it doesn't work. The conclusion does not go on to say anything about laser. So this is where I'm going to very much disagree. If we don't have evidence that ultrasound works, if we don't have evidence that TENS works, if we don't have evidence that interferential works, well, sure, if you want to throw that in there, we don't really have any evidence it's going to hurt anything, but you need to include laser. Laser therapy has been shown to positively affect the biochemistry of the level you're treating. You need to use laser. Laser's a fantastic no impact modality that you can start from day one and that's what we do we start laser right away because it helps to stimulate better regenerative activity of the actual treatment that took place as well as helping to control the pain and inflammation that's going to get you onto phase two that much quicker and you can continue to use laser in phase two of the rehab procedures after regenerative medicine because it will continue to help with muscle strengthening. Matter of fact, heck, you can just go ahead and keep using it through phase three if you want to. Phase four, they should be fairly independent. The patient should be at the point where they can go full more on exercise and really not be worried about it. But strangely enough, I'm not sure why, but laser therapy was not mentioned at all in the rehab program conclusions that these researchers put together, despite what they said earlier about laser therapy being the only electromodality with good evidence behind it. Okay, now that is the only place I'm going to disagree with them. So they go on to say that, look, it's very important to keep the natural healing process in mind while constructing a rehabilitation program. Okay, this is not just, oh, somebody has a kinetic chain dysfunction or they've got misfiring in the quadriceps. This is built with the idea of helping the body regenerate the tissues that have been treated. They say graded load progression plays a significant role in the rehabilitation model. So that's why we're, broke, we're breaking it into phases here. Phase one, where you're really not loading. Phase two, where you can start some early loading processes. Phase three, the patient is really stepping up the intensity. And phase four, they can go full bore, all out with no pain and full range of motion. They may need to use some kinesiotaping. They may need to use some bracing to make sure they can progress through these phases, but it's important to walk them through this. So just to recap here, 
I'm not trying to tell you today that regenerative medicine is something you should be doing or not, or I'm not even trying to say that it's a legitimate therapy or not. I'm just saying that if you do this or if you work with patients who have gone through some type of regenerative procedure, they do need to go on to a rehab process as well. And that is a great thing to be able to set up and have the patient go through intentionally walking through that. Laser therapy can be a great part, especially in the early phases of reducing pain, encouraging that regenerative process to actually take place. And you're going to get better results from a regenerative treatment if you can include a rehab program that is, again, intentional based on their feedback, their strength, their range of motion, and their pain levels. If you have concerns or questions about anything I've gone over here today, please shoot me an email. We'll discuss it. Info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you are wanting to find more about regenerative medicine, you can email us also. We've got a few resources we can put you in touch with. But if you provide laser in your clinic, highly encourage you to help these patients who have gone through regenerative procedures, help them get the best regeneration they can out of that treatment by including laser therapy along with that. Thanks very much for listening. I hope this was helpful, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.